Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good. Another uh, Sunday night where we get to sit down and talk about playoff baseball. Not very many of these left. As the season, I believe the last possible day for the World Series is November 3rd. That would be game seven. But uh, yeah, this is, you know, this Dodgers Brave series is uh, turning into, I guess, an incredible shock to most people. A lot of people have been counting the Braves out of potentially beating the Dodgers. And I'm going to start off and say it right now, and this might not be a popular take. Uh, the MLB needs to reseed the teams once they get to the CS or the DS, because to have a team like Atlanta, who literally lost I believe, was it 21 more games than the Dodgers in the regular season and have home field advantage just doesn't sit well with me. And that's regardless of the results of the previous two games, because I want to take absolutely nothing away from this Atlanta team. They play the way that they played the whole year and they have timely hitting and you cannot fault that. But the fact that now the Dodgers are in a situation where they won that many games in the regular season, we're literally the second best team in the league, and they pretty much at this point have nothing to show for it. Well, Brandon, at first, first I have to ask, what do you mean by reseed? Are you saying reseed matchups or are you just saying reseed home field? I just feel like, you know, that's that's a good question. Um I guess maybe not matchups because that would throw things off and it would make teams that won their division, you know, possibly at a disadvantage when it comes to teams. But in terms of home field, it just seems very strange to me where you have a 106 win team and the first two games of their series are on the road. It just, it, it just doesn't sit well with me whatsoever. Like, what's the point? Like, realistically, the Dodgers could have just stopped trying to win after a certain point in the season. Like, obviously, they was close with the Giants, right? But 
let's say the Giants were like far and away the best team in the league and had won 115 games, right? Mm-hmm. When the Dodgers were 10 games or whatever it was, whatever it would have been, eight games out, entering like September 15th, they could literally, if they wanted to, punt the remaining of their games and it wouldn't have mattered one bit. Like that just for as much as we want the end of the regular season to count for the second best team in the seat in the regular season to just have pretty much nothing to show for it. Like I said, I just, it just doesn't sit with me well. And I want to once again, say I am taking nothing away from Atlanta because what they're doing is extremely impressive. And quite frankly, we should have kind of expected this it's playoff baseball to think that one team is an absolute lock to advance is a terrible way of thinking because we all know how much of a dice roll playoff baseball is. And that's just how it is. It's just, it's just how the MLB works. And I think that's why we appreciate watching playoff baseball so much. It is Brandon. I'm, I'm against this. And that's just because I've seen what's happened in the NBA. I see what's happening in the NBA and I am vehemently against it. This is just a, um, stepping stone to more and more emphasis on regular season success. Some, some parts of regular season success having no value. I think division play is incredibly important. I just, I would hate to see that, which has really always been the main goal of, or has been the main goal for a while of baseball winning your division. That is a huge deal. And I think more key, more um, leagues could use, putting high importance on it. I also don't think it matters that much. First off, we're not, we're going to see very few cases ever. We may never actually see another case again where we see uh, a team so drastically above the other 18 wins between the two. We're probably not going to see that type of matchup again in the playoffs in a very, very long time. So that's not a big thing. And the other thing is, as much as home home field certainly is important, it's not the biggest deal. You can still step up and perform. The 2019 Washington Nationals have proven that they you can still perform without having your home fans behind you. You can still get these timely hits. You can still go out and win ball games and make those winning moves. And the Dodgers haven't done it. The Dodgers aren't the hotter team. The Braves are the hotter team. They know what they're doing. They're doing it well. That's what matters in the postseason. And if the Dodgers aren't executing to that regard, they don't deserve it. And the other thing I'm going to argue with you, Brandon, is this is already by far the fairest towards the lower seed of any playoff system in American sports. And particularly for the Dodgers, this is a much bigger saving grace for this once possibly once in a lifetime scenario where we have this big a gap. Brandon, you can now look after this, these two games in Atlanta, you can now look at this as a five game series in which the Dodgers now have home field advantage. Granted, there are in a bit of a hole with the two Oh, but they still, if they win the, if they fly to outright win this series, they're in a very good shape 
four, they have a much higher likelihood of winning the whole series. Well, they would so have to win four huge, out of five. Yes, they have to win four out of five to win. But either way, you can take that four that fourth. Uh, you you could you could potentially sweep at home, just like the Braves did, and then all of a sudden you're up in power. That is a huge difference compared to hockey and basketball, which have the have all the travel where it goes two two one one one. That's a huge much much bigger difference and much bigger advantage towards the away team to be able to have that opportunity. So they're not at the biggest disadvantage in the world. Right. And, and I'm not saying that they are at a huge a disadvantage. I just think if you're playing that many regular season games, you're right. Winning like the Braves winning the NL East, their re- reward for that is not having to play in the wild card game. The Dodgers not winning the NL West, their consequence is having to play in a one-game playoff after winning the second most games in the league, right? So I feel like winning your respective division is already incentivized pretty good. It's not, though. Like, it should, should, I don't don't think there is a situation where I could contend that it is incentivized too much with... um, winning a division. I'm very pro winning the division. Let me remind you, my pill again. I, I doubt we will see this again in the next 15 years where there's this much of a, a disparity between two teams in the playoffs, unless it's maybe the wild, the uh, world series. And there's some miracle in the last round, but that's, it's not going to happen where we're going to get 106 game winning wild card team playing a team that didn't make break 90. Wins. Yeah. The other the other thing is going to be a little bit more of a logistical thing for the MLB. Another reason they wouldn't do it is that makes your playoff picture completely unpredictable. You cannot set locations, travel plans for the majority of teams until after the wildcard games are set. And that gets very dicey. It is a huge plus for the league to have to know for a fact that Atlanta and Milwaukee will be playing a five-game series, that Houston and Chicago will be playing a five-game series. And then the other halves of each, the other half of each bracket gets filled out eventually. But it's it's a much better, I think it's better for ticket sales, it's better for travel plans, it's better for the teams to be able to know what's going on a little bit earlier than the end of the wild card game. Because oh, there, a there's, there's a situation where the entirety, like you could see the Dodgers, let's, let's, pretend, the, let's pretend the Cardinals were at like 86 wins, 88 wins on the year. There's a situation where you could have them be the second, the wild card become the second seed, be playing the three or become the last seed and be playing the one. The, the, that, that would be a huge change they could be the two seed even even as the two seed you've got a team that thought that if if it seems crazy to me that you can't sell tickets yeah that's the other thing yeah you can't sell tickets not only because people don't know who they're playing but if you are milwaukee and why would you want to be in a position where if st louis wins then you're at home but if LA wins, you're on the road to start the series. You can't sell tickets then until after the wild card games for wild card game starts. 
No, that's true. I, I do believe, though, if I wanted to, like, I could go buy Dodgers World Series tickets right now. And then it's just for whatever games you buy that aren't at home, they just refund you. Like, that's just how that's it works. But they're not going to sell the same without people knowing the exact Oh, okay. Thing. You meant, like, the actual selling power. No, that's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. Like, I mean, I personally, I mean, I've got stuff this weekend. If I didn't know, if I was trying to buy Red Sox tickets and I didn't know whether they were going to be home in the middle of the week or over the weekend, that would hinder me from buying the tickets ahead of time because I need to, I need to be able to figure these things out. No, I, and I, and I totally get that. Uh, that a hundred percent makes sense. Well, let's get into this game because we had quite a bit of action from the get-go. Our guy, Ian Anderson, gets the start for the Braves. He's always been our guy. I will never fail to mention that he is our guy when bringing him up. Uh, and he gets jumped on early in the top of the first inning. Uh, 2022 starting shortstop for the Yankees, Corey Seager, rips a two-run home run to right center field, scoring Mookie Betts. Uh, after Betts singles uh, to lead off the game. And that would make it two to nothing Dodgers. They have Max Scherzer on the mound with a lead. You're thinking at this point, like it's going to be smooth sailing for LA. And Scherzer does get through the first three innings very nicely. Anderson settles in also very nicely uh, as I believe he only allowed one more hit in the next two innings that he pitched where he, as he gets through the third inning uh, and it's still two, nothing as we go into the fourth in the bottom of the fourth inning, Jock Peterson steps up and Oh my God, it can like, we've been talking a lot about a, about a Kike Hernandez, <laughs> Jock Peterson talk about big home runs this postseason. He rips an absolute bomb to right field. I'm not sure what the what the 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 home run or distance on it was, but this landed like in the second deck over the right field bleachers. I'm gonna look at the how far it was right now. It was 454 feet, a 112.2 exit velocity. Uh, LJ, would you like to guess what the expected batting average on that one was? Say the numbers again, Brandon. Uh, 112.2 exit velocity, 24 degrees launch angle, and the ball went 454 feet. I would believe that is 100. That's a, yes, that is a 1,000 uh, expected batting average. Uh, absolute nuke. Scherzer knew it as soon as it came off the bat. And just an absolute huge hit for Peterson there to tie the game up at two. From that point on, the Dodgers only get one more hit from the rest of the game. That's from uh, after Anderson came out of the game. The Braves had the, the upper hand for pretty much this whole game. After it's tied two to two, fifth and sixth innings are both scoreless. In the top of the seventh, the Dodgers are able to get two more runs they get a chris taylor double which comes after a bets walk to lead off the inning uh an intentional walk to the catcher will smith uh 
which would make it, I believe at that point, first and third. Yes, first and third. Or excuse me, first and second. Justin Turner pinch hits. Uh, we get a double switch where Luke Jackson comes into the game. Turner gets hit by a pitch. It's now bases loaded with two outs. Chris Taylor rips a double to right field that scores bets and Will Smith makes it four to two Dodgers. That would be the last hit the Dodgers get in this game. So now they have a two run lead. They have nine outs to get and the Dodgers bullpen falls apart. Bottom of the eighth inning, uh, the Braves lead off with Eddie Rosario who singles Ozzy Albies singles and drives him home later in the inning to make it four to three. Austin Riley, the very next hitter, he doubles and ties the game at four. And entering the ninth inning, we have a tie game at four to four, uh, setting up for just an incredible chain of events here that happens. Top of the ninth, I believe Will Smith, the pitcher, for Atlanta comes in and he gets a one, two, three inning. The Dodgers for the bottom of the ninth bring out Bruiser Gratterall, who has looked really good the whole postseason, uh, replacing Julio Urias, who came in to pitch the uh, eighth inning, and that obviously did not end well for him. Gratterall allows a leadoff single to Travis Darno. We get pinch runner Christian Pache. Uh, he gets the next two outs, and then the Dodgers opt to bring in Kenley Jansen, not letting Gratterall finish the inning. LJ, I'm going to stop right there. At that point in the game where Gratterall has two outs and a runner on second and has looked fine this whole postseason, do you really need to bring in Jansen to get one out? Or do you, like, in my mind – why not just save him in case this game goes to extra innings? You need someone to pitch the 10th unless they're thinking Jansen can get this out and we'll bring him back out for the 10th. But I just thought very strange to pull a pitcher who had only allowed one hit at that point in the inning and had gotten the next two guys out. Look, you're right. He didn't look bad. That's the thing. It's like, it's one thing if you're like walking a boatload of guys. And, like, you have no control. And, like, honestly, like, let's go back to game one of uh, Red Sox-Astros. Mm-hmm. Here, Kazu Samura, who can barely get through three batters with um, – just because he has no control, he doesn't have it today. You pull the guy then, yeah, regardless of what his season is. But, Brandon, I'm seeing a big fat zero in that walks spot. I am seeing no hit by pitches. I'm seeing no, he faced three batters. He- yeah, he faced three batters is the point. So there is no reason that I can find that you would ever have to pull him out, especially for Kenley Jansen, who as good a closer as he is, he has had his share of rough times over the last couple of years. Maybe it's not the best idea to just throw him into a postseason game that he doesn't have that great a shot at. Like if it doesn't feel necessary or it doesn't honestly feel crucial to us that you pull Gratterall, then it probably shouldn't have felt crucial to them. But I've got a better one for you. 
I mean, how about instead of putting the starter in for the eighth inning, you just do what you've been doing, and that's Gratterall in the eighth, Jansen for the ninth. Did they ever think about doing that? Or did they try to get cute and bring in the lefty starter who won 20 games this year? That's right, 20. No one's done that since 2016. Uh, just very questionable here from, from Dave Roberts. Look, I just I'm in the camp of if you're if you're playing for the tie in the eighth inning, something's gone wrong. With like, a two-run lead. Yeah. With a like, two-run lead, you're literally just like, right, yeah, let's just with the tie. I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, there's no reason to put him in then. I just it completely I completely blanked on the fact that you had a two-run lead when he came in. But even like let's pretend it was tied in the eighth. You wouldn't put you wouldn't put Urias in then, would you? No. No, you pitch, you pitch your main relievers all the way through until you get to, I would say you start in the ninth. If you get to the ninth and it's still tied and you're thinking, okay, this might take a little bit. Let's bring in Urias and maybe he can give, get us three innings. Then that's the acceptable situation. Not in here. There's no reason for him to become a setup man after winning game five against the Giants or being the follower for game five against the Giants. Can I bring up one more? And it's really my only other lineup question I have for this game. Absolutely. What the heck is he doing with this um, Turner-Taylor swap? Why is Gavin Lux starting and Justin Turner coming off the bench? Because Chris Taylor is at third base. Yeah. <laughs> and now keep in mind, Justin Turner hit right hit righties which, surprise, surprise, Ian Anderson is, and you should be certainly should have, with his postseason reputation and his regular season reputation, really across the board, this is going to be a very talented young pitcher. You should not be expecting him to just go three. You shouldn't be expecting him to be a once, maybe twice to the order guy. You should be expecting him to be able to carry some innings here, just like he did last postseason. And instead, you decide to go for the worse righty bat in Chris Taylor over Justin Turner. And I'm sorry, it's the postseason. You cannot give me, no one can give me the rest answer. Justin With, Turner. Relievers. Justin Turner versus right-handed pitching this season had a 132 OPS plus. And versus right-handed starters had a 119 OPS plus. Gavin Lux, who is the move that you would make, because you could just put Chris Taylor in center field, which he's Correct. played plenty of times, right? Just yep. to make sure he can play the outfield. Gavin Lux versus right-handed starters had a 88 OPS plus. And OPS plus is not the end-all be-all stat. I'm sure there's something behind the move, why they liked it, but it's Justin freaking Turner, LJ, the guy who leads your franchise in postseason, like pretty much every every single like a cumulative postseason counting stat for hitters. He leads it for your franchise. You, you're absolutely right. Dave Roberts is getting cute with it. We saw what happens when the when the Rays got too cute with it uh, against the Red Sox. And I'm all for analytics. I'm very pro-analytic. But why screw around so much in the playoffs? If it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
why screw around in such a big playoff game? Honestly, I hadn't considered – I forget what you'd said the biggest um, game – seven-game series game is, but uh, – A three. I, yeah, I don't, think it, I don't think it's necessarily this one, but I think this one is absolutely huge. If not – if it's not the first, it's definitely the second or third because think about this, Brandon. You now are down 2-0 if you're the Dodgers right now, and you yes, you're going home, but – you're in a situation where you're one you're one loss away from being one loss away. And that is a pretty scary spot to be in, especially seeing you haven't really gotten footing in this series. Meanwhile, if you had split this, if you'd won this game, all of a sudden it becomes like it is with Houston and Boston. It's now a five-game series, and the Dodgers have home field advantage in that series. Like, that, that it is a very important game. It if you if you break it up into what follows you can see there's so many advantages to winning game two well kenley jansen comes in for brewster very first pitch he throws very first pitch he threw probably 30 pitches in the bullpen and then probably five or six during his warm-up first pitch he throws gets ripped into center field did they end up calling that an error on um, Corey Seager? No, I don't. I don't no, think it was a hit. Yeah, there's no. It was just. It was hit so hard. I'm not expecting him to stop that ball um, either. If that's is that a fair assessment? I mean, it was hit 105 miles an hour and in an awkward angle. Hits off of Corey Seager's glove, goes into center. Christian Pache scores. Braves win game two. They take a 2-0 series lead. They walk off the Dodgers in both of their wins. And this will set up for game three Tuesday in L.A. with a 5.08 start Eastern time. So a 2.08 start uh, West Coast time. LJ, do they usually play CS games that early local time during the day? Um. It makes no sense to in the week. Tuesday, two o'clock in Los Angeles. And it's it's a Tuesday, two o'clock game. Well, maybe they've just accepted the fact that nobody's going to show up until like the third inning anyways. Well, yeah, Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, (laughs) so it makes no sense. Like, honestly, I'm very pro like tonight, that time slot today, that time slot would have been great. Would have been absolutely fantastic. Honestly, I, I don't see a reason that a single the, that the first postseason game of a weekend shouldn't start by five Eastern. Like you have the entire day to get things done, and you could potentially get the entire se- the entire night wrapped up by like ten. That would be very nice for a lot of people. And on a weekend, anyone who wants to be watching these games will make make the time in their schedule to be able to see it. Absolutely right. Uh, I agree. Well, uh, that's really all of our thoughts on this series so far. Dave Roberts, uh, maybe just like simple, you know, dumb it down. Uh, you won 107 games this year. Clearly, the roster you have works. If, like I said, keep it simple. I, I still have faith in the Dodgers. 
it's an Atlanta sports team. We can never like count out that they're going to choke. I mean, this same series last year, the Braves blew a 3-1 lead. I'm really pulling for Atlanta, though. I'd love to see them win. Oh, I'm pulling for Atlanta. Are you kidding? It, That's my dream. Ian Anderson in the World Series. Ian Anderson getting shelled at Fenway? I'm there. No. You would feel terrible, LJ. I would not. What if it's what if it's Braves Astros and Ian Anderson gets shelled at Fenway? Would you feel bad for him then? Um, I'd be very confused. I'm not I'm not at Fenway. I'm sorry. <laughs> what if it's Bra- <laughs> Sorry, I got I got I mixed up. What if it's Braves Astros and Ian Anderson gets gets shelled? Would you feel bad for him then? Yes. Okay. I feel bad for him today, but. No, in that specific situation, I would not feel bad for him in the slightest. Honestly, it's this series is getting me excited. Not just like I'm not getting my the horse above the the horse cart analogy thing. I'm not doing that. I'm just starting to think that like, what if? You know, I I segment. I've, in, hmm? Go ahead. I've come to learn that any what if in baseball is just it almost holds no weight it's like it's so much unpredictable stuff happens it's just like well well no hypothetically very much hypothetically i'll give you one better here brandon every every what if in baseball holds no weight and yet all the weight because just as you said it's so unpredictable that any of those what ifs could genuinely happen right not it's not entirely unreasonable for any of those to happen. I mean, if someone told me that the Red Sox would catch a break in the race series because the ball hit off the wall, hit the ground, and then hit an outfielder, goes back over the wall, I'd be like, like, yeah, like, sure. That 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 could happen. I've I've seen enough. Likely to like, happen now. Will will the Yankees turn three triple plays in the same season? Uh, probably not, but yeah, it could have happened. Absolutely. So I, I actually love that uh, line of thinking there. It's, it's great. But LJ, we, we do have to get into postmortems, but prior to that, you want to do Sox. a little rant about the Red Sox rotation is they will be playing uh, Monday at eight o'clock, the first game in Fenway against the Astros. And I believe the starting pitchers announced is Eduardo Rodriguez and Jose Urquidy. Look, Brandon, first off, let me remind you here. We're in a five-game series now, and Boston has home field advantage in that series. So that's feeling good. With that being said, is Alex Cora on crack? Wow. Rotation? Big, big drugs coming out now. <laughs> Look. Brandon, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to lay out the scenario and the thought process I have here. I'm going to tell you if this makes any sense. So for this whole series, you have two really good pitchers. You've got Chris Sale, one of the most dominant regular season pitchers the game has seen. You've got Nathan Evaldi, who just goes off in the playoffs. And frankly, if it weren't for all of the BS with Jake Odorizzi and that stupid rule, speaking of stupid rules, this is actually a stupider rule than the uh, ball hitting off the player thing. 
the fact that you can just have unlimited time in the middle of a game to warm up. After an injury, right? After an injury, yes. And so Jake Odorizzi can just take 20 minutes to do his entire pregame starting warm-up, and it's just completely legal. That's a lot of BS. But I, I'm fully convinced that if he hadn't had to sit there for 45 minutes, Ivaldi goes longer than he did uh, two nights ago. But I digress. Ivaldi's going off in this postseason. He went off in last postseason. He is a big game pitcher. He also has really good splits at home. His game is built for that park. So, Brandon, let me tell you, let me ask you this. Would it be better to have Chris Sale, this dominant regular season pitcher that hasn't yet to really truly step up in the postseason? Would you rather have him for three games in a post three postseason games in one series? two at home, and Nathan Ivaldi for games two and six, both on the road, or would you rather have Nathan Ivaldi, the more, the more consistent postseason option, pitching game one, also getting a home game, and then pitching game seven? So he'd get one, four, and seven. He'd get one, one five, and seven. You're not going to go three. You're going to go a three game rotation. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, one, five, and seven. You're not going to go for a three man rotation. You mean four, ALS. right? Yeah. I've never seen a team pitch a guy one, five, seven. It's usually one, four, seven. No, I feel no, like only five, giving seven. one game. So you pitch game five and then one day, one night, two nights, three nights. Game five is on a Wednesday, game seven is on a Saturday. That would be two days rest. I think it's usually hey, one the, seven, LJ. That makes that does make no sense as well, though. It would still be a home game. Yeah, that would be a home game. But realistically, though, you're thinking one day the the off day rest. Or no. Yeah. Game two. Game one. Off day. On. Game three. Game four. That's four days rest. Oh. Yeah. Yes, so one, four, and seven. I got a little like, No. Okay. You're good. So good. Still. Maybe, maybe it's not as bad as it seems, but still, there is a situation, there's a scenario, especially seeing, mind you, Alex Cora has yet to use Nick Pavetta in this series, which leads you even stronger into believing that he will most, he will most likely get a start in this series unless things go disastrously wrong. Because, I mean, Chris Sale does not, Depth was not Chris Sale's strong suit in that first game. They could have easily put him in there for three or four out of relief if they wanted to. But instead, they held on to him, and they went through every other good pitcher in their bullpen and ran out of pitching by the end of the game. So why wouldn't you use him there unless you were planning to start him? He would clearly have to be the game four starter is part of the logic behind it. Or if he's not the game four starter and Sale's the game four starter, then he'd probably slot in there at five. I'm not sure, but this is making my head hurt. But yeah, either yeah. way, I just – I worry they're not going to – first off, it makes no sense either way to not get Nathan Evaldi the three starts instead of Sale. And it also does not make sense to ever think about putting yourself in a position where Evaldi doesn't pitch at home. Yeah, that that certainly makes sense to me. You're, you're – uh... 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Logic. I can I can get behind that. Um, Once we figured out the days. Yeah, LJ, you know, if you want, I can I can send Alex Cora a letter. We can we can try to send him an email, maybe. Ask him. Yeah, we'll find a Red Sox email. Uh, Red Sox. I don't even know what the what the word is. Red Sox.com. Red Sox. Office email. All right, LJ, you can send an email. Oh, con- contact the Boston Red Sox right here. If you'd like to write to the Boston Red Sox for Jersey Street, Boston, Massachusetts. Um, there's a couple phone numbers here. The general information number. I think that's a good one. Oh, do I have my phone on me right now? Are we going to cold call the general information at 1245 at night? <laughs> How many odds they have somebody working right now? Zero. Absolute zero. Yeah, but what if somebody needs somebody? Something. I think that they can wait till 9 a.m. on a Monday when they go in for work. Um, all right. Postmortems. We're going to run through these quick. Uh, we don't really need to spend a lot of time. We spent a lot of time talking about these teams during the season. If you don't know what this is, we just recap. All As soon as a team gets knocked out, we recap what their season was, the highs, the lows, all that. Uh, we're going to go through all the teams that have been eliminated so far in the postseason. We will get to all the other teams that didn't make the playoffs eventually as we get through the World Series. But the teams that did not make the playoffs, uh, or excuse me, the teams that did get knocked out of the playoffs. LJ, are we going to start with with the Yankees because they were the first team out? Yes, Brandon. So why don't we go ahead and I'm going to let you just go ahead and take the uh, we'll, we'll each give our we'll alternate thoughts on each team season and then we'll both do a surprise pick and bust. And then that'll be a good postmortem for each quick, easy. Okay. Um, so thoughts on the Yankees. Well, expectations coming into the season uh, was a World Series contender slash winner. Uh, they had the most win. They had the most projected wins out of any team in the American League, according to Las Vegas. Um, very high payroll. They refused to go over the luxury tax, but uh, that's okay. You know, actually. Yeah, they, 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 did, they did refuse to go over the luxury tax. That's right. Um, they made a couple big signings in the offseason. Corey Kluber, they traded for Jamison Tyone. Um, trying to think what else they really did in the offseason. Not much, really. Uh, 
lot of their moves they end up making during the year that have impact. So terrible start, you know, I believe they were second worst team in the league after the first two weeks of the year, which was not a fun time. I mean, if you want to really go back and listen to our shows from those days, uh, you can hear me very angry. Uh, we make it to the trade deadline, somehow go on a winning streak to make us not want to sell at the deadline. We turn into buyers. We trade th- for Joey Gallo, uh, Anthony Rizzo. Uh, how can I forget the Heen dog? Uh, Andrew Heaney. Clay Holmes was a big acquisition. Uh, that's really it for those guys. Uh, down, then also they moved a couple pieces, but we don't have to go over that. Yeah, no, we move not very important pieces like Luis Sessa in the middle of a career season. Um, Brooks Krisky. Brooks Krisky, who we chose to keep, to keep over Garrett Whitlock. Brooks Krisky was not on the Baltimore Orioles 28-man September roster, uh, the team who won the least amount of games in the league. So wasn't one of their 28 best players in their organization. That's fine, you know. Um, but regardless of that, we get to September. We still think we have a chance to win the division. We go cold at one point. Offense. Right after being very hot, you kind of skipped over the 13-game win streak that kind of is. I mentioned it, didn't yeah. I? No. Oh, well, I was getting to it. Okay, yeah, that's right. Because I, I said right after the trade deadline, we go on a 13-game win streak. I think that we're still in the AL East race. Uh, they then go cold, extremely cold, right after that 13-game win streak. Limp into September. Uh, underperforming games against the Rays. Uh, uh, we sweep the Red Sox. The, the second to last the weekend of the season last weekend of the year we controlled our own on destiny by winning game 162 make it to the wild card game which is at fenway park uh, and not good stereotypical yankees game bad offense the pitching is okay i mean I liked what I saw out of the bullpen from for the whole year, but that's pretty much every Yankee season. Overall, we had one of the best pitching staffs in the league throughout the year. Still a very frustrating team to watch. 85% of the games were extremely tough to watch with just this three true outcomes offense. Then we traded when we got Joey Gallo, we got the three true outcome guy. So that just made it even worse. He was terrible with us. Uh, not good. And overall, a very a disappointing season. As a Yankees fan, no one should be happy with this. Uh, by the way, we didn't mention it on last episode, but the Yankees end up firing their hitting coach, Marcus Timms, third base coach, Phil Nevin. By the way, the Yankees had the, made the most outs on the bases and at home plate this season. Uh, so I guess... Has it, Phil Nevin is... Um, now living at Hunter Renfro's basement. Everyone goes back to dad when their t- when times get tough. Phil Nevin is a great guy too. You watch interviews with him. He genuinely is the only guy that fires the team up. Uh, and LJ, I'm sure we're going to get into more, but that's, that's, that's what I have to say for now. Just very a disappointing season overall. 
And this is not how any fan expected our season ending at the start of the year. Look, I feel, I in part, I feel bad for Yankees fans. And I think this is probably just going to be the only one we do because that went a little longer than I thought, or maybe we'll get through the Cardinals. We have, we have quite a bit of time left. So only eight minutes, right? We're at 43. Oh, we're at 43. Okay. So we can get one more in then. Um, okay. Look, the Yankees certainly, they had more than just contending this year expectations. Didn't MLB.com or ESPN or somebody put them in like four out of the next 10 World Series or five out of the next 10 World Series? In their I, I think it was four out of 10, and that came out like in January. <laughs> so prior to even like big free agency moves happening, which, you know, I don't know how they projected that, but for a um, team that hasn't made the World Series since 2009, I was pretty bold. It was. That's how much they believed in this roster. And this roster, it wasn't the management that necessarily left people with left people disappointed. The management was not good. However, that's not what kept people disappointed. What got people disappointed is the fact that this roster flat out fell flat. And that's one it's one thing when you're not a contender. It's another thing when you are a contender. That's a big blow. But I feel bad in part for Yankees fans, because it's nice to have some form of solution. It's nice to know exactly where you need to shore up and have that be the missing, the magic piece. I mean, yes, there were other moves that were made, but for the most part, there was a gigantic hole at, in terms of DH in Boston in the uh, winter of 2017-18. We go out, we spend the money for J.D. Martinez, and it was kind of that, you know, not, not necessarily the magic cure that all of a sudden made us a contender, but it made such a big difference in the lineup that it brought us to another level, and then the other, other pieces added on, stepped up. But it feels like there's almost a, there's a philosophy that doesn't seem to be changing that is holding this roster back from developing, from executing, and I don't see that changing, so sadly, I don't think it's going to. Until Brian Cashman is not the general manager, there will be no change. And you know, wise words. He has more job security than, um, it's a good example. He has more job security than Mike Shashevsky. So uh, it's going to be a long time. Yeah. Like, well, even if he didn't, um, Papa Elge said something very wise that I hadn't even thought about yet. If they're even thinking about firing Brian Cashman, which frankly, as much as I do think his management of the front office has gone stale and that's not necessarily like his fault. It happens. If they decide to move on from him after making very, a very good deadline to try to keep his job, that won't happen until the, the Mets find a general manager. You have to agree on that. Yeah. Could you imagine what it is that would be? The thing is, there's not a chance that Cashman gets fired this offseason. It's because he saved his ass with the trade. Oh, I know. But hypothetically, like if um, when Hal Steinbrenner said he's not firing Boone because he wasn't the problem, if he secretly meant that even with the trade deadline stuff, that Cashman was still the problem and wanted to boot him out, in this hypothetical scenario that I hadn't thought about, you can't do that before the Mets hire theirs. Because could you imagine how big a disaster it would be if he went over to the Mets and all of a sudden they turn things around, they have success. That would be a disaster in that city. 
I would be on suicide watch. Um, and it's all about the philosophy that Brian Cashman has built. If I'm Hal Steinbrenner, and people love to crap on Hal Steinbrenner. This will be my last thought because I know we have to move on. People love to crap on Hal Steinbrenner for his overall ownership philosophy. Yankees have still had one of the highest payrolls in the league over the last couple of years. And in baseball, believe it or not, the correlation between payroll and regular season wins is fairly high. Not that the Yankees don't win regular season games, because we're actually a big reason why that correlation makes sense. But I'm wondering, where the hell has this money gone? And it is insane to me, some of the spending that we've done. And I know... Kobe Ellsbury enters the chat. Even past Jacoby Ellsbury, there's just so many contracts that we're giving out. This Aaron Hicks contract, he's on the team through 2025. (laughs) I just, where is this money going? What do you have to show for it? He built a team that clearly does not work they get out managed out just they have an outdated philosophy they somehow their analytics department i wanted i would love to have a long conversation with them because they're just getting in the regular season the red Sox and rays run laps around us and for aaron boone to say that you know we think the other teams close the gap there was never a gap what gap was there? The expectation that we were, the people thought we were going to win the World Series? You won was, the division one year. That's the one gap, one slight gap you had. I just wish we could go back to 2017 and start this all over. Just well, all over. Yeah. And, it, I and wouldn't you're, do. you're right, because it's like, how could you screw up from where that was? It's a real shame. And I think part of it is, too, the New York the New York state of mind. Um, It feels like, again, with Aaron Hicks contracts like that, yes, you can still spend money. You can go over the luxury tax if you're the Yankees and you barely feel it. And frankly- No, apparently not. Apparently not. We were too cheap to get to go over. And I think the other thing too is like I was saying to somebody earlier, there was a difference. There's a difference between the Yankees going under the tax and the Red Sox going under the tax. The Red Sox had to go under the tax because their farm system was in such a dire state because of everything that they tried to do, everything they went through in order to try to win that 2018 World Series. They put so much on the line for that that their farm system was in shambles and they could not afford to keep giving up second-round picks in order to keep that. The Yankees have never had a weak farm system. They've not had their farm system on life support. And so if they really wanted to win and spend that money that they need to, then they could easily have gone out and do that. There is really no excuse for them not doing it. But if you're not going to spend all of the money, if you're not going to be the Dodgers and just spend crazy amounts over the luxury tax, then you should spend it right. It feels like like a contract like the Aaron Hicks one, where it's a lot of money, a lot of years commitment to a guy who has just been okay. That is perfectly fine to fly in an older, in older generation, George Steinbrenner's generation, where you could 
spend as much money as you want. I mean, even with a luxury tax, there it wasn't it wasn't viewed as that much of a hurt because you're looking at less as a business and more of a team and wanting the team to be successful. If you're willing to spend that all that money, yeah, you can hand out those contracts because you can just keep putting money band-aids over it. When you're trying to stay under the tax, you can't keep putting those money band-aids under over. But Brandon, can I go ahead and give my big gem of the year, my surprise of the year? Sure. I'm actually interested for this one. Brandon. You're actually going to, I give him a lot of crap. He deserves a lot of crap because it, it is who he is. And he's been there too long for me not to. The surprise of the year, Brett Gardner. Can we talk about, no, honestly, I've, I've been obsessed with this stat since last week that I'm going to bring up second. But first off, this dude has been playing the majority share of this team's center field at 38 years old. And he hadn't really been playing that much third center field in the past years before that like once Aaron Hicks started to get time and all of that it wasn't like he was the feature center fielder for this team he's stepped up he's made those moves there certainly is something to be said about a 12-year vet being in that clubhouse but Brandon in terms of weighted runs created plus since June 1st Brett Gardner ranks fourth on the Yankees he is the fourth best Yankee hitter since June 1st. That is nowhere near what anyone expected from him. That's not even really what his. He wasn't even water... expected to play in a hundred games. Yeah. And so he's come out. Oh, taken on a role that he wasn't even expecting to play at, at this age and done very well with it. So any of these Yankees fans that want to see him out of town next year are being foolish. They're going to regret it. And frankly, I think this is this year should be a sign that he probably has another year or two left in him, and he should not think about necessarily declaring his retirement this offseason, even 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 for after next season. Although I would support, I, I very much support going out while you're still competent. I also think you're forgetting about how many outfielders will be returning for us: Gallo, Judge, Stanton, Hicks, Frazier, LaCastro. Uh, there's so many guys that, oh, and Duhar, who was one of our outfielders this year. There's just so many guys that are returning. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. The he'll he'll end up playing 130 games next year. Who am I kidding? <laughs> uh, my big surprise for the Yankees, you know, it's between a few, and I don't want to pick this guy because, you know, uh, I'm just gonna do it. Uh, this might be a weird pick. Some of you might not even know who this guy is. Clay Holmes. I mean, this dude is freaking filthy. 
since he got to the Yankees, I'm not going to lie. We've done this show every day. I didn't know much about Clay Holmes. I didn't really know that he existed on the Pirates prior to coming to the Yankees. He gets on the Yankees, genuinely one of the best relief pitchers in the league. LJ, have you been on his baseball savant page? Yes, I have. A lot of red. Indeed. Uh, He is an elite relief pitcher that the Yankees just kind of stumbled into (laughs) making this trade with the Pirates uh, during the middle of the season. And I'm, he's the biggest surprise out of the bullpen for me. Uh, As for a hitter, you know, I love the Brett Gardner selection. Uh, Is it wrong to go with Stanton? Like, I'm surprised that he played this many games. If you told me that Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton would combine for over a thousand plate appearances this year, I'd be like, no way. Like, if that happens, we are one of the best teams in the league. And they do that. Stanton has played more games since 2017 than Mike Trout. So just letting that sink in. Yes, Stanton and Clay Holmes, my two two surprises that I'm very happy that they'll be returning once again. So, Brandon, is the low-hanging fruit also a – sorry, just thought of this. Honorable mention goes to Nestor Cortez. Oh, yeah, can't forget Nestor. Uh, He'll somehow not be the fifth starter on opening day. We'll sign someone stupid. So, yeah, there's that. I can't decide who it is. Is the disappointment Glaber Torres or is it DJ LeMahieu? Um, With DJ, it was just such a sharp decline from MVP vote status get paid, all of a sudden fall off a cliff. Maybe it's because of the juice balls. Maybe it's because he got paid. I'm not sure. But Glaber Torres, this wasn't just a season. No, it is Glaber Torres. Never mind. It's Glaber Torres because not only was this a year that managed to get people to think, hey, this guy isn't good, but this took all of the momentum he has had for several years of being like the next Yankees superstar, two-time all-star for this team in his first two years. This was the season that took that and was managed to completely throw it on its head to be a, this guy is never going to be anything. Get him out of town. Like that's such a complete shift of narrative that mostly came after this year. If DJ didn't have the contract, they'd be saying the same thing. If he signed a one-year deal, or like a two-year deal, they'd be wanting to trade him right now. Uh, it's it's both. It's the middle infield, LJ. Um, DJ, oh, I love. Oh, love, biggest love. disappointment. Roof Nato Odor's face without a beard, dude. You got to get out. Of I here. got used to it, man. I actually got used to it, and I and I love uh, Rugnet. Uh, DJ Lemayhu. Maybe the hitting philosophy of smashing the ball into the ground 53% of the time for your entire career doesn't work in the era of launch angle. Did we ever think about that? Maybe a 2020 season where, in 2019 seasons, where we saw incredible production that we had never seen from this guy 
maybe signing him to a six-year contract was a bad idea. And I know fans, including myself, would have rioted if we didn't re-sign this guy after the two seasons he had in a row. But six years is what it took. If Toronto signs DJ, the Yankees go out and get Marcus Simeon instead. <laughs> Can you imagine that if we had Simeon on a one-year deal? It, it, I just can't. Glaber, on the other hand, goes from being legitimately one of the highest-touted shortstops in the league. At age 22, he hits 38 home runs, gets MVP votes. Someone put him in this top 10 in 2019 with his three-war season. And the last two years have just been, oh, 95 OPS plus, 12 home runs in his last 170 games after he hit 38 and 144. He just How somehow... Things go so wrong? It's, it has to be our hitting approach, LJ. I don't understand how someone can go from a 30% fly ball rate to a 26% rate over the span of a year. Like, what hitting approach is that? And I think that's why we ended up firing Marcus Timms. No, no disappointments from, from the pitching staff. And it was either injuries, but overall, no one blew up except for Andrew Heaney. But that dude's just a joke. So, yeah, that's the Yankees. All right, Brandon, I think we're cutting a little too close for Cardinals. Yeah, we are. Um, can I bring, because I know these do take a while, can I bring up another story I saw today that I thought was very interesting? And it'll yeah. be quick. Uh, starting next year, the MLB is requiring teams to provide housing for oh, minor yeah. players. forgot about that. Uh, it, this news is very welcoming and extremely overdue. Is it welcoming? All right, I don't mean to take away from this news because this is fantastic. The fact that this wasn't happening before is a shame, especially when you consider if you're the MLB, you don't really have to provide that much. Like it's not, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big a cost. And also there's going to be a large portion of your minor leaguers that aren't going to want the housing. Like there's going to be plenty of guys with families with houses already established, homes that they already have that aren't going to want to relocate themselves, relocate their family out of their house to go live in. I don't even think that families, odds are, are the intended spot for this. I'm not sure. I don't have any details. Is this meant to be like everybody or is this more like a dorm setting? Uh, so this says that, uh, so all the owners unanimously agreed the actual details of the plan are still being worked out. They're not sure if it will be directly housing or if they're going to increase a stipend for the players to just have more money that will be specifically going towards renting and or other accommodations for housing. So there, so there may not be a specific place where they have to live, but they may increase like this housing stipend to where they have enough money to where they can actually afford a nice place. Okay, well, now I'm going to play devil's advocate. This is posturing for the CBA, right? 
Like no. I know, I know the, I know these players are not directly implicated in the CBA, but a lot of players in the league have been voicing concerns about these things. They were victims of this type of thing, and so it is not, it is not good for the players, for the MLB to be be giving out money like this right now as a positive PR right before these negotiations. You're absolutely right about that. But I mean, I'm, I'm very happy that they finally did oh, something like this. I, I am too. I just think that needs to be mentioned because the MLB definitely has more of a motive for it to happen now than just because they want to do it just out of which is a shame it's a shame especially after everything that houston that that oakland the big stink oakland made last year when they were trying to get the uh minor leagues cut down and they eventually did um like with that stuff all happening i think it seems to me unlikely that every single team would unanimously agree that this is the right thing to do even though it is the right thing to do it seems weird for them to all agree to that right now. And I just saw something very interesting. So now is the Oakland A's and Tampa, are they just going to trade players after their second arbitration year instead of their third? Like, is that just how it's going to work now? Where, because they have to spend... Well, yeah, because LJ, now now they have to spend more more money on on their their minor leaguers. Well, Brandon, I I think you're forgetting... Tampa doesn't have to worry about housing for their pitching. They're all already in that underground factory under the trout. Right. That's right. Um, they can swim out through the Ray tank to be able to get, if you, if you swim out, you get a major league contract. And I'm look, I'm extremely happy that this, because look, these, these, these minor league players, I saw some pictures from former guys who are in the minors. Their conditions are terrible. There's like 10 guys living in one living room. If they can all get like a reasonable house, you know, maybe they'll be able to, I don't know, uh, better sleep, better diet, their ability to actually train, their mental health. Like that's all great for the players and will produce better players in general. Uh, But there's going to be some downside to this where these cheap ass owners. All right, I'm going to say it right now. If you own a sports team and you refuse to like, and you try to make all these different moves to work around your payroll, you should not own a sports team. The goal of a sports team is to win, not to do all these little workarounds like the Pirates, where the Pirates have basically no intention of ever competing in my mind, I mean, the way that they've been run the last couple of years, I, I genuinely don't know what, what their goal, what their end goal is with this. Uh, if you don't want to spend the money to, you know, at least put a reasonable team out there, the Pirates literally have not a single player on their roster next year with a guaranteed salary. If they have a $43 million payroll for next year. I mean, that's literally almost a f- less than a fifth of the Dodgers. And I do, I'm scared that, that it's going to have some kind of backlash. And LJ, you're right. And I hate that we're talking about this in a negative light because it's such a much needed thing to finally happen. Like, I love that this happened. But it's just, 
it's just going to give owners to, for a reason to be more cheap. And we don't need that in sports, especially baseball. That's why the salary floor would suck. Cause then the owners are just going to be like, well, now we got to spend money and we hate doing that. And there's a difference too, between viewing owning a sports franchise as a business and what these teams are doing. What they're doing is the, uh, equivalent of like you know the cheap motels in in uh saratoga where they were probably nice respectable motels or hotels at some point but then some guy from another part of the country decides to come in buy it up and just let it go to hell because they can just get money out of it and be done with it and then move on to the next thing it's in a kind of empirical state so that's basically what a team of the Pirates is doing. They know that they're still going to get those Pittsburgh fans. They're going to get the Pirates faithful. They're going to get the people who need something to do for the entertainment. They're still going to sell tickets and stuff. They just don't see that if you are willing to put in that initial investment of spending money on a team, and as long as that team pays off, uh, in, in terms of the, the talent pays off to the contracts, then you shouldn't have an issue making more money than you are, than you're spending. Like it has been proven that successful teams, regardless of market, are able to do better when they're winning. I just saw a comment on the MLB trade rumors article about this. And it says the Oakland A's are already looking into the housing equivalent of tomato and of a tomato and cheese sandwich on plain white bread. I, I, I can't say that that's, that that's not true. Um, totally accurate. But, and I also think it's important to say, because we talk about the general managers a lot in these conversations. This is at no, this is no way on them. It's the owners. It's the all people, on the owners. The people in the front office that are making the actual baseball decisions, that's not on them at all. These people are given a budget and it's not their fault that they have to work around and circum. It's not the fact of the, it's not the fault of the Pittsburgh uh, front office that they have to, work around the salary rules in order to get to the budget that they've been given. Right. And it's like the thing, like I hear people say all the time, like, well, why did teams spend so much if you can be like Tampa and not spend? Do you, do you really think they're, that the Rays don't want to spend money when they see like, wow, look at the Dodgers. The, the Dodgers are literally what Tampa is now but able to spend money and wow, they just won 107 games, LJ. Well, what do you know? You take a Tampa front office mind and give him a nice budget to spend. And you have an insane baseball team. You're right. These front office guys, if it was up to them, they would, they, they probably want to be able to spend as much money as, 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 as humanly possible. It's just, it all goes back on the owners and there's a lot more to it than, uh, you know, like there's location and market size and all that. But especially in the NBA, it seems like they've gotten better where teams, teams spend money, not because they're required to, 
but because they realize that you need to spend money to win. And like I said earlier, there's such a high correlation between salary and regular season wins that the owners or the, the GMs, if they, if it was up to them, they would have a lot of money to spend. But if I, if it was up to me, I would have a lot of money to spend. (laughs) Yeah. Same. Uh, I would love that. We would love to not have to create all these workarounds and all these stupid things that hurt our franchise in the long run, like Tampa, like no loyalty to your players whatsoever, just so that you can eke out a couple of extra wins per year when you could just go out and spend the money uh, and keep the fans happy. But uh, yeah, is that, is that all we have for today? Yep, that's it. All right. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Red Sox Astros game three, do some more postmortems. We also have some other news that we have to get to. Uh, But yeah, other than that, thank you all for listening and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.